0: In the great hall of the Red Shovel Network, there are assembled the world's four greatest heroes, created from the cosmic legends
1: of the universe. M.L. Elric. John Windsor. Mark
0: Bellower. And those three junior super friends, Matt and Joey and Wonder Dog. Their mission... To fight injustice, to right that which is wrong, and to serve all mankind.
2: You asked it to Detroit, it's gone.
3: What are, you what are you doing? What are you doing?
2: That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. you might highly qualified, ML. I'm not qualified for this job. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay. You want to go right now, I know it seems like we're very late here on Facebook Live, but actually we're early. We're moving a little slower here in Brutus, Michigan, home of uh, Burt Lake and Mullet Lake, which until recently had a special significance for me, but I finally got my hair cut. So I am no longer am uh, especially suitably uh, attired for uh, <laughs> Mullet Lake. And sitting to my left, both figuratively and literally, is Teresa Baldus, Michigan's Journalist of the Year, who uh, she... <laughs> has a knife on me, so I have to mention that <laughs> I say that she's Michigan's journalist, but for last year. She hasn't done anything this year. Oh, it's on. been a bad start.
3: Keep talking. But
2: uh, she'll be joining us later. And, of course, uh, trying to keep this uh, straight is Mark Fellhauer, Joey Zuver, Sean Windsor, and uh, Matt Jennings, who will be teaching us something that we thought we knew. He'll be telling us it's wrong, and he'll be telling us what the real truth is a little bit later in our weekly History lesson. Uh, we appreciate you joining us this week. This is sort of a, a uh, stitch together show. So if, if we lose a signal, stay with us. We'll be right back. Um, we are brought to you by uh, Altus Beer, which is a, a real Detroit beer. But I can tell you, uh, based on some field testing I've been doing, very scientific, <laughs> peer reviewed, it's great by the lake. And they say that Cleveland's the mistake by the lake. <laughs> well, that's just because they didn't have Altus Beer. And it's the anything, anytime with any one beer. It's great in the locker room. It's great in the fridge. And, yes, it's great here on the shores of Burt Lake. Altus went away, but now it's coming back. It's a Detroit original, and you can find it on tap at your favorite bar or restaurant or in the stores. If you don't know where to find it, go to altus.beer. That's altus, A-L-T-E-S, dot .beer. And I should also tell you, if you're listening or watching us on Facebook, we appreciate your patience. We should also let you know you're not getting the whole show. So you're going to want to try and download that so you can get room 7609. Get some of our uh, our subscriber feedback here. Who's got a message to send out on Cami Soul, and a couple other features that are exclusive to our audio podcasts. You might want to
1: download uh, the show too, because I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of cleaning up to do.
2: Oh yeah, this already some of the outtakes. Well, were how is that different from any started. other
0: week? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. So, let uh, us know. We'll be back in an hour. Go
2: ahead. Okay. Wow. Um, uh, take your time. Uh, that prostate can be a bitch. So um, the, uh, the, last night, I can tell you, also doing some field testing here. Yeah. Uh, had some burgers using some meat we got from the butchery. Nice. Everybody here was blown away at how good they were. I mean, this was great, great stuff. I was a grill hero once again. And the butchery is the place to go for prime meats. I go there because of the best quality USDA prime and all grass-fed beef and their pork, 100% Michigan raised. Plus, it's convenient. You can get your meat in any portions you want, anything from a single steak to half a cow, which is tough to fit in a cooler. But they'll do it. (laughs) Chef Dave puts out everything made in-house, like their high-end sausage and brats and even his wife's delicious homemade desserts. I went there last week. Dave gave me a bunch of those. I would thank you, Dave, but the last thing I need is more sweets, and they were irresistible. So this month, if you're listening, tell Chef Dave and the staff there that you want your free pound of bacon. If you spend $50 or more at the butchery, just tell them ML sent you. Butchery's on Orchard Lake Road. It's easy to find. Just take telegraph to Orchard Lake Road and head west. I promise you it's worth the drive. It sure was for me, and I'm coming from the east side. So you can call 248-682-COWS. That's 248-682-COWS. C-O-W-S, for those of you who don't know how to spell cops. And visit their website, thebutcherysl.com. That's Butchery, S as in Sam, L as in lovely.com. The best place for prime meats, eats, and
4: treats. And if oh, I may. Uh, oh, no.
2: I guess you I guess you may.
4: I've been hanging out there last couple days because I just live around the corner. And I tell you what, they have got some great concoctions. They just made me some ground beef with brisket. Bacon and sirloin. Best burgers I ever had. If you want to bring a fish in to get uh butchered, he can butcher a fish. If you want to bring in a deer, he will butcher a deer. So there's a whole lot more than just uh steaks at that place. Let us serve fact, He
2: taught me he taught me how to butcher a live reed. So that's how good he is. <laughs> this guy does everything, <laughs> yeah. and uh, they also do home delivery because. Uh, which, Matt, I think you're going to appreciate when they take that restraining order out.
5: When, <laughs> yeah, when know, I saw you, you there know. the other
2: day and you said, "Where's my vest?" and I'd like a name badge, I thought, this is getting you know. There's fans, and then there's then there's obsessives. So uh, so, anyways, the butchery.
3: Uh, Can I jump in on the butcher? Oh, sweet Jesus! Uh, okay. One more person on the this butcher. This is an incredible endorsement because oh the the hamburger patties we made last night. I have a my sister in law does not eat red meat, and she was making. She fed her to her children, and and she said usually when the hamburger, it's tough when you cut through it. She's got this. This just crumbled when you ate it. It was yeah. probably the best hamburger, I've I've I don't know if I say ever had, but I was I was blown away at how it did crumble. Fantastic ground beef. And coming from someone who doesn't eat red meat, she gave it to her kids huh. and loved it.
0: What the hell kind of burger was she eating that was tough to cut through?
5: <laughs>
3: well, most, you know, when you, you, if if they're if they're grilled, that they don't the ground beef doesn't always come out nice and crumbly. Okay, right? I'm gonna it,
0: I'm gonna come over to y'all's home at some point and show you how to cook a hamburger.
2: Sean, I I thought you specialized on in sausages.
0: No, no, no. I'm happy to come help uh, somebody in Gross Point learn how to cook a hamburger. I mean, it's. it's you know, we're going to talk about the connection from Harper's to Gross Point in a bit, and uh, so let's talk about the the Detroit to Gross Point connection now.
2: Well, we were, but that's all the time we have this week on ML Soul Detroit. <laughs> Please listen to all our other shows: No Filter Sports, No BS News Hour with Charlie Duff, and the Drew and Mike Show. Thanks to the Butchery for taking over this week's show. <laughs> Turns out those snacks weren't so free. The six minute read ought to cover it. But uh... okay, so let's talk about these shitheads in East Lansing who almost killed Gross Point. Teresa, take it away.
3: All right. You know, what made this story, in my opinion, so important is it connects the dots. With the people. butchery? No, not oh. the butchery. Okay, what happened at Harper's? <laughs> it was a perfect example of how the virus spread from a college bar to a suburb uh, in Detroit. And, and really, it was, you know, a group of friends from Girls Point were at this bar. One came back, hung out with friends who didn't know they had it. One of those friends had a major party on a Friday night. And was symptomatic. And her parents let her have the party anyway.
2: Understand this, folks. That's symptomatic, not asymptomatic, yeah. where you have it, but you don't know it. Yeah. This is a kid who's like, I don't feel right.
3: It, hey, come on over. You know, it was a girl. It was a major bash. Girls can be kids. So, so a lot of Did kids. Did you think I meant a little goat? No. So, okay, go ahead. So anyway, so you have this major party. <laughs> I don't know what i It's Friday night. So the person at the bar, I think, was there from Wednesday. I don't know if it was the Wednesday before. Friday night, big bash. The person who had the party had symptoms, but didn't get tested until Monday. So by then, other people still been around her, but at the party, doesn't disclose it until Tuesday night that she's positive. By then, other people who weren't even at the party, I interviewed one mom. Her daughter was never at Harper's. Her daughter didn't even go to this big bash. Her daughter went to a bonfire that someone from the party had been to and, and got it. And, you know, a 19-year-old girl, now a whole family of seven is in quarantine. Another woman, um, her babysitter went to the party, got it, and then comes back and babysits her kids. Exposed. Oh, They're all now in quarantine. So Girls Point Park had two cases, and then the next day they had 12. And the- these are all kids
1: the family that had the big house party how symptomatic was the girl was it just a cough or uh, I,
3: I don't know, don't know i don't it, know all i know is that she was symptomatic and who knows did she think she had a cold and the kids from harper's hadn't been tested yet they didn't know they had yeah it. um so um so she wasn't at harper's she was with someone who was at harper's and had the party in fact i don't even think the people who were at harper's went to the party so that just shows how it spread. People went to the party; a bunch of kids got it.
1: It's really intriguing seeing the pictures outside the bar. You know, the bar—it's not the bar's fault, really. They have the sign, you know.
3: Yeah. They, well, inside there were elbow-to-elbow crowds. The night that they opened, we were getting emails at work from people like, "You should see it here; it's crazy, elbow to elbow." And and you can you you know, once they're in the door, they're cashing in. And I know they've taken steps to collect this, but. But, but you do have control. You can monitor that. You can say, you know what? You put a, they claim that people put all their tables together. So now they're chaining them oh. down to the ground so you can't move the tables. They 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 let crowds pack in there. Well, there was no social distancing. There were no masks. That I mean, was the
1: point I wanted to get to because the pictures that I think a lot of people have seen the lineup outside, not one person has a mask on. There's no social distancing. So you see this spread happen as your story in the free press showed. And then a while ago, I want to say Missouri, Mississippi, there was a big story about the two uh, people that cut hair that were symptomatic and they still went to work and they were in contact with 150 people. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers that story. Yeah,
3: yeah. But
1: uh, the update on that is they both wore masks, as did their customers, and so far they have traced zero back. I mean, that doesn't mean they're zero, but they've traced no cases back to those two. I think those two mm-hmm. stories in conjunction with each other Really show how masks can stop or slow the spread. What kind of feedback have yeah. you gotten from the story? Are are there people mad about the story that you did?
3: Um, yeah. Uh, uh, for the most part, it's it's good feedback. I mean, you have girls pointers who are mad because I use the word affluent, like they're you know you know this this didn't happen to us because you know uh, they're you know and, and in fact some of the families that have been impacted are they're they're middle class uh, girls point families. So uh, aside from that. Um, yeah, I, I still have, you know, the, 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 the math haters telling me I'm making this up. I got emails from people telling me, what are you, just out of college? Do you know how to write? This story sucks. It's fake. Um, you know, we, we get all that. Um, uh, and, and now we're starting to get, um, you know, I'll, I'll, we'll have a follow-up story on, oh, okay. on what's actually going on at Harper's. And, and, and Harper's role in all this and, um, and what they really think. You know, they put up a post on their Facebook page And said nothing, absolutely nothing, about all the infections. 78 of them coming from their bar. They said nothing. They said thank you to those who've come to help us, who will reopen, and didn't even mention it.
2: Well, I think they did have a sign that said you must be COVID-19 or older to enter the bar. (laughs) So that's a change.
1: (laughs) Um, Jeez. do you know, um, of, out of all these cases, or particularly the ones from Gross Point, if there's been any hospitalizations, or are they tend to be minor cases?
3: There have been no hospitalizations so far, and I think this is where, I mean, this might take weeks to see what happens. Uh, 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 medical experts still don't know if asymptomatic people can, can spread it, So, but some of these kids are symptomatic.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but from what I know, no one's been hospitalized, and, and I hope no one is, I hope, but I also um, some of these kids that were at the, what we've now called, I've got girls pointers calling it the COVID party.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, they well, went to graduation parties. Oh boy. Oh, but you know, where there's older people. Um, so you know, let's hope it doesn't spread. Let's hope people wear the mask, but you know, um, you know, people are still holding grad parties. No one's, no one's wearing masks. Funeral receptions. no one wearing is wearing masks. Um, I, I think that everyone just thinks that this is kind of behind us and, um, and just so
2: people know, we're not extremists here. If you're at a funeral and you're dead, you don't need to wear a mask.
1: <laughs> Jeez.
2: Just make, make yourself at home in that little satin hammock. But, uh, but this is something that I think, you know, we've said from the beginning on this show that we, we think people should wear a mask, not because we're taking a political position, but because that's what the science says. And we've seen now these states that are starting to uh, lock down that had been a little more a little more cowboy in the beginning, you know, as somebody who has kids who are going to be in East Lansing in the fall, I'm as long as no one's seriously hurt, I'm grateful that this happened because this is a reminder. this is a an undeniable reminder that you have to take steps to protect your customers for this bar to try and protect its reputation and and just to have a public responsibility because this is East Lansing summers are very slow. I mean, there are still fun things to do. but if this had happened in the fall, yeah think of how many people would be sick. And this has got to be a reminder to the university that while they have all these protocols and they've come up with all these safeguards, they're still dealing with, with kids who may feel a little bit uh, invulnerable and that that maybe they're not. I mean, this is, I'm, I'm glad if this is going to happen that it happened in the summer rather than in the fall, because holy smokes, what would you do with the population of East Lansing doubled and, uh, and folks spreading this thing like typhoid
1: Larry. Do you feel that um, if you don't know or to wear a mask now, you just, you just don't want to? I mean, the, the, the messaging has been out there. I, I don't know how much more messaging you need to beat into people. I mean, they're, they're going to do it or they're not going to do it.
3: I have a friend who got it and his well, whole family got it. got it and he won't wear the mask. I showed up at his house the other day on my bike and I had my mask on and he said, you know, they don't work. You don't need to have that on. And I'm thinking, you had it. How, how can you say this? I, uh, I, I think there's a false narrative out there that people are believing that they will find a medical doctor. They will find an article that says the masks really don't work from some bizarre website or, um, you know. Well, non- they're,
1: they're like condoms. They're not 100 percent.
3: And they're uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So I've
1: heard.
5: Oh, It's, David,
0: it's not just fringe websites. The, the New England Journal of Medicine had an article. And I've seen this article because I've written about this a fair amount of times in my columns. And I get this from readers from otherwise, you know, uh, folks that believe in science. And they linked this article that was in the in this journal, and this was probably a month ago, right? And there was a study that showed from their view that uh, they weren't sure that masks out, worked outside of hospital settings, right, for frontline workers. But it was wrong. And a couple of weeks later, those very same doctors say we were wrong and masks can uh, help slow the spread. But the damage was done. That single article has yeah. been shared and set around because of, because of who published it. Right. Yeah. It's
3: not well, a and fringe, also,
0: fringe idea.
2: Also because people aren't interested in the latest information. They're interested in right. whatever they can use right. to support their view. I, I
3: will well, say this a couple of weeks ago, I did a story. What are your main concerns going forward? And I interviewed the heads of ERs, different hospitals across Metro Detroit. They all said bars was the number one hmm. thing that they worry about bars. And then the second thing was water lakes and pools you you can't you what about uh, lakes what you know yeah i mean just you know depending on where you are and how near you are to, but pools in particular um you know pool parties public pools Uh-oh. bars and water are the are the primary concern with people not being careful and it's spreading well the bars i mean i you know pittsburgh just shut down i think uh, i don't know if they shut down all their bars but i uh they've, they've prohibited all restaurants from selling alcohol
0: park real quick to your point um about the messaging. If you go back, let's go back three months, the, the way it was portrayed with mass, because there was a worry about supplies, right? Even with Dr. Uh, Anthony Fauci, who mentioned this, the World Health Organization didn't want to recommend mass, right? Mm-hmm. Because they were worried that if they did, there were enough countries out there without the resources where the, the frontline health workers would not have them. And the WHO has since amended their position. The CDC has been fairly consistent from the beginning. But it, 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 the messaging was confused from the start, well, and we're, we're still trying to recover from that. part,
1: part President of that,
0: Trump could fix this right now, right? He could wear well, a mask uh, at the podium tonight, and his supporters would be in him tomorrow, and he could change it just like that.
1: Well, I mean, I can understand why people would distrust that message when they're telling you not to wear a mask, but they don't tell you necessarily the reason why at the time.
4: And that was the mistake. It was a huge yeah, mistake. The, uh, David on Facebook Live had mentioned that uh, wearing a mask isn't a magic bullet, but I don't think that's what people are saying. It's a precaution. And I'm gonna tell you this, I am not, I'm, I'm, more, I'm more Republican than Democrat. Wearing a mask does not mean I'm a Republican or a Democrat. So uh, wear your mask is a precaution. Not because it's going to save everybody's life, or because it doesn't work, just there, wear one.
1: There's been um, other interesting stories with uh, COVID, and both uh, Teresa and ML, you, you guys both tested positive, written about it. Um, but the story now has been that it, there can be impact you well beyond you know two weeks, a month or two. Do you guys still have symptoms or pains or anything from contracting COVID?
3: Well. I-
2: I still have a pain,
3: but it's... I was just going to say this right here.
1: <laughs> it's right here.
3: <laughs> you talk about... So we took the antibody test. Did you talk about this on your last one? We all...
2: Oh, no. Uh, but one thing we should also set the record straight is Teresa tested negative, and she was way really? sicker than I was. So you really yeah. have to be careful with this thing. And and with the masks... And I'll let you talk in a minute. No. But in in the, with the masks... With the masks, um, you know they 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 tell people not to wear the N95 masks. It's not because they don't think the N95 masks are are effective. It's because of what Sean was saying is they want to save the N95 masks for hospital and first sure. responders, and so they're saying use the 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 less rigorous surgical mask. Well, I think if if we had unlimited N95 masks, which we might if we really did treat this like a wartime situation then we'd all be wearing N95 masks. But there are protocols and there are degrees, not necessarily because it's perfect, but because we have to be practical. We can't give everybody a ventilator in their house in case they have a little bit of a cough. So we have to come up with these degrees of what is going to work for the most people. And this thing evolves so much. If you're telling people something you read about a week, you really have an obligation to update yourself. Mm -hmm. And to Matt's point, whether or not you believe in masks, uh, it turns out most people do think it's a good idea to wear a mask. So maybe out of respect for those people, you'll wear a mask, and maybe the mask on the front of it can say Trump twenty twenty. We don't really care what it says on the front of it. Just just show some appreciation for people who might be vulnerable to this, but you don't know it. Not everybody walks around saying, "Hey, by the way, I've got a respiratory disease," or "By the way, I'm you know uh, I'm immunocompromised." Have some respect for each other, for the love of God, Uh because if you don't, one of us is going to meet him, and I hope it's you.
3: Anyway, going back to the antibody (laughs) Oh, sorry. Anyway. Anyway. He tested positive. I tested negative. About a week and a half ago, our whole family went in for the antibody test. I carry the antibody. Mike carries the antibody. Our daughter carries the antibody. And our fourth daughter does not, which is so, you know, how – Interesting. And and the one who does have the antibody – the daughter, no symptoms whatsoever. Nothing. Wow. Absolutely nothing. So, did she get it and give it to us? Huh. Did we get it and give it to her? Um, we don't know. But also with the antibody, because everybody keeps questioning, they're like, oh, you have the antibody. You feel safe now. We don't know how strong the antibody is or how long it lasts. Uh, like um, uh, the SARS antibody and MERS, they, that lasts two to three years. We're like, the measles is lifetime.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, you know, this antibody might be, we'll, I'll get tested for it again and see if it's still in there. I was relieved to see that it was in there so that I do carry something, but it, I have other friends who had it, who had uh, COVID and they took the antibody test two months after the infection and no antibody. So it could be they had it and it's gone already. I mean, this is so new. We just don't know.
2: Wow. Um, we have shown no ill effects, no lasting effects. But I was listening to Chris Cuomo the other day, who's probably one of the more high-profile guys who's been sick. And he says that he still feels like he has reduced lung capacity. And that's a dude who never shuts up. So you'd think his lungs would be pretty strong. So it, it, there are people who also say they feel like they're a little less mentally sharp now, yeah. that it may have affected them. And, and apparently there are different strains of this where they can tell some people were infected where the first infection was in New Orleans, and other people can tell they were infected because the first infection came from China. So it's just a, it's a weird thing, man. And and for all we know, our daughter who doesn't have antibodies, maybe she had it first, and they faded, and we're gonna fade. So it's it's a it's a crazy thing. But um, but yeah. I think that the reason we want to have Teresa on to talk about her story in the Free Press, which you can find at free.com, and we certainly appreciate it if you subscribe to support all of our work at the free press is because this really feels like one of those things where somebody who says, you know, I'm a skeptic. You got to show me. I I think we've been shown. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think we've been shown and, uh, and, and Matt's uncle who was, this is uncle Bud we're talking about, Matt.
4: Uncle Bud who actually was in the Korean war, (laughs) not world war two. I apologize. Mike, uh- he was in the Matrix too, but we don't need to
2: get caught up in that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, maybe Uncle Bud had some more good years, some more good stories, and some more flatulence for other people's funerals. So Uncle Bud, yeah, you know, we want to keep the blue flame burning for you, and and COVID nineteen, you know, kind of robbed us of that.
1: So you alluded to a follow up story on the the spread from East Lansing Ooh, to yeah. the gross yeah. points. What uh, yeah. can yeah. you <laughs> tell us? What's going to be in the follow up? Like where where it's going?
3: Uh, stick it's uh um, it's about harpers and um, and what they're t- what they really think of all this interesting it's about Harper's, yeah. Cryptic. Yeah.
2: When I went to Michigan State, the worst thing you'd get at Harper's, which was then known as Dooley's, was crabs. So things have gotten a lot tougher. Yeah, I get- hung
3: out there. I didn't get crabs. That's not where I got them. For the record. <laughs> didn't have them. I felt bad looking at that line because I'm thinking, you know, you don't want to judge kids as much. I'm trying to put myself back in that time. I stood in those lines. We all did. We packed in there. And I'm thinking, what would I do right now if this were going on and I were, you know, 20, 21 yeah. years old, still standing in that line? I'd like to think I would wear a mask or wouldn't go. But I don't know. I mean, we all did reckless things when we were young.
1: I didn't know she was the I'm only I'm going to head out. I'm
3: okay. going to head out. Yeah. Is that cool? Bye, yeah, everybody.
1: All, all guests appearing on ML Soul Detroit receive a 12-pack of Altus lager. Oh, he loved
3: beer.
2: Sean, before Sean offers to come over to our house and cook those crabs up for us, <laughs> we, uh, we need to <laughs> tell, we'll tell you about some that, other let's, people. Let's here.
0: start with a hamburger. Let's start with something simple. I'll bring a jackhammer ah. Since apparently that's what you guys have to use to get into the <laughs> middle of your hamburger.
4: David Hubbard from the Butchery just said to Sean, thank you for keeping the show on the tracks.
2: Have we mentioned the Butchery yet today?
4: <laughs> we- thank you, Butcher Man. Let me just
0: say this before we wrap this uh, this segment up. To kind of the, to, to what ML was saying, he had a, a nice moment.
2: She of, took the full beer.
0: I don't know. But I, what I was going to say, Mark, real quickly is that to, hit, to him talking about the mass and thinking about each other, whenever I've written about this, including the Aubrey Hoff column a couple of weeks sure. ago, because he said he didn't believe in masks, right? I hear from readers that say they respect my right to wear one. They want me to respect their right, I guess, to not wear one. And uh, the difference is, I mean, and they're sort of unable to see the, the difference. If I choose to wear one, that's not affecting them. If they choose to wear one, that's affecting other people. And trying to She's get people not, to yeah. kind of come together to say, hey, can we just put it on for 10 minutes while we go to the grocery store? we've got to be able to agree on a few things in this country, right? The pro- I, I would think this would
1: be one of them. The problem is, as um, as this goes on, people will dig in a little more. Nobody likes to be told what to do. And, That's true. And, and when you shame the people uh, or present facts for either side, they, just, they get more mad and more resolved in their position. And it's just, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. Frankly, I'm sick of seeing videos about, uh people getting in fights in a grocery store over it or any business it's just it's really to the point where it's exhausting because the fact of the matter is and maybe this is unreported and you guys both work um for the media for the mainstream media is i I don't feel like there's enough stories that say hey most people are wearing them not all but most. i wrote a
0: story like that myself i drove uh I spent a couple of days driving all over the metropolitan Detroit and, yeah. and that's, and that's what I found. You know, it was, it did, it, it, it varied a little bit from area to area, but for the most part, it was probably, you know, seven to seven to three. Yeah. I don't know. This was a month ago, so I don't know what it's like now so much, but again, it depends on where you are and where you're going into the public space you're in. Amen. But uh, no, yeah, man. you're right. People don't want to be shamed. People don't want to be told what to do. That's the problem with this country that that sort of, Cliche of individualism button up against the the collective good,
1: but that's nothing new. That's the story of our country,
0: right? I mean, it's it's it is, it's it's why we're spiking and most other democracies are not.
1: That's why Europe has closed their borders to us, which they know exactly.
0: Yeah, it's kind of amazing that we're we're looked upon as the sickly ones who can't get our shit together, and it's just kind of that's where we're
1: at. I think our fearful leader is back. How's your internet connection now? Are you in a new location?
2: It's, it's very touchy. No, I just touched something and it, it shut off. So uh, so I'm, I'm going to try and keep my hands to myself here.
0: Have you noticed yes. that uh, your signal it went bad the minute you flipped your hat backwards? I mean, <laughs> I, I'm just pointing that out. I don't know.
4: I, Fix the I, antenna. Just, well, no, I figured. Frat boy,
0: the frat boy look is, I guess it's okay for you, but I was just curious if you noticed that. Well,
2: what? I, I, I call this the Matt Stafford. I never win. I get $40 million a year. And uh, and I have a giant pool in my house. Well, Matt Stafford
4: stops shops at the butchery. While you're
1: here, can you do the thing that uh, the most important thing of the show and, and tell us about the other sponsors before you disappear again?
2: If I mentioned the butcher, no, <laughs> never mind, let's Matt let's, will mention them uh,
1: fifteen more it, times. Don't worry.
2: Okay, yeah. So, uh, how much free bacon did you get? <laughs> oh, it's only supposed to be a pound. Um, <laughs> So if if you've been locked inside, like many people have during this pandemic, and you realize your house is way too small, then it's time to call our realty sponsor, Lindsay Broadwell. Your house is one of your most valuable investments, and that's why you need an agent you can trust and that knows the business inside and out. Lindsay started her career at Hall Financial, and now she's an expert in real estate. Lindsay will make sure you get the most out of your house and that everything goes smoothly by helping you find a new home that fits your lifestyle. Buyers, sellers, especially first-time buyers – Make sure you contact Lindsay at broadwellhomes.com. That's broadwellhomes.com, 248-767-7767, 248-767-7767. Licensed realtor at Remax Nexus. That's broadwellhomes.com. And when you buy that house, you're probably going to need to finance it. And we recommend that you call our man, David Hall and the team at Hall Financial. They're working around the clock to help people save money by refinancing. It's a great time to look at your options, and that's why many people are refinancing right now. If you haven't refinanced in the last year, Hall Financial is here to help. Now it's time to lower your monthly payments and keep some extra money in your pocket as we go through turbulent times. And by refinancing, you can probably skip up to two payments. So there's a big savings right there. So why not see if you can find a way to save some money and cut your term? Hall Financial Service is the fastest in the business. That's why they have more than 1,500 five-star reviews from Michigan homeowners. Go to our web page and check, click on the logo to get started or call 248-308-5000. That's 248-308-5000. And whether you call my man Dan Morrison or talk to somebody else, make sure they know that ML sent you. Hall Financial, lower payments, better options, more personal attention. NMLS MLS, 14674 three, five, and there's another way to do well with your money. How's that? Well, some people like to save up for something really nice, like a new earring that looks cool. Or maybe even a time machine that could take you back to the 90s when dudes with earrings that weren't pro athletes were a thing.
0: Damn,
2: this is mean. If you're wondering how you can budget for a major purchase, call Luke Nowacki at 248 663 Four seven four eight, or email at lnowacki, that's L-N-O-W-A-C-K-I, at pinnaclewealthstrategies.com. He can assist you to devise a plan targeted to help you reach your financial goals. You can find his logo on our website, too. And now it's time for the disclaimer.
3: Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Remember, F-I-N-R-A-S-I-P-C. Royal Alliance Associates Inc. is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names. Products or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc.,
4: this week's show is brought to you by the Butchery. So well, quickly, I will we- say something about <laughs>
1: Luke Nowacki real quick. Matt is taking over the shows today with the sponsors. Yeah, yeah. He's, he, Matt's got a signal. Uh, so,
0: uh, how
4: many, I guess how many the- side deals have you cut?
1: <laughs> I don't know, but we need Lizard. to get Matt back
4: out on the road. <laughs> he's not in he's not the finance business. He is in the people business, and I will say that. He's one of the nicest, classiest guys I've ever met.
2: Luke is very generous. He's not going to give you any sausage if you call him and tell him you got uh, a referral from us. But... Uh, <laughs> But, you know, give them a call anyways. Tell me you heard about. So I, I, I've been meaning to bring this up for quite a while, but I was looking in the free press at a, uh, a, a piece that Ryan Ford did that I loved, a surreal retrospective, the most stunning endings, Michigan's amazing finishes of this century. And I realized I've been at almost every single one of these, which tells you, how bad Spartan football was early in the century, but I was at the Spartan-Bob game on November 3rd, 2001. So was Michigan I. State scored with a phantom second on the clock. I was at the Malice at the Palace on November 19th, 2004.
1: Where were you sitting for the Malice at the Palace?
2: Well, the free press used to have seats, and we were kind of in the corner, so we are maybe about halfway up the lower bowl yeah. at the Palace in the corner, and so it, it didn't happen exactly in front of us, but it, we were – Sort of uh, in the corner by the Indiana bench, and I could see the whole thing developing. And really? one of the things, as much as I love him, one of the things that people don't really seem to appreciate is Ben Wallace really provoked that. He was mocking, uh, was it our test so badly that um, he? Uh, I mean, it, he was really, really egging so? him on. And, so uh, what? And bam. Oh, hey, believe me, I, I think our test is a sob. But you could see it happening. You know, you could see, you're like, this is not going to go well. How, how long These did guys you, are really doing? It. once the
1: fight broke out and uh, all hell was breaking loose, did you stay for the whole thing or did you, Oh uh, yeah, you did?
2: Yeah, Teresa was crying. She's like, oh my God. But really? we were close enough that we're like, let's get up on the concourse because people thought this thing was going to spread. I mean, it was really, yeah, it was really tense. So, so, um, so I, I, I phoned say, yeah. in some stuff to the free press. And then uh, when we were back at, Hoops, where we used to carpool from, I found a guy who also had witnessed it and put him on the phone with Patty Montemurray, who uh, interviewed him on the spot and included it in our story about the coverage, which ended up being an award-winning
1: breaking what a, news story. What a hero you are! Are you taking credit for the award-winning story? Because you <laughs> I'm hooked? taking
2: credit for handing the <laughs> phone over to a real reporter.
1: <laughs> okay, all right, fair enough. Were you I there? That,
0: yeah, I was there that night too, and sitting on a
2: You would have been a lot closer, right?
0: And yeah, first Uh, Our test hopped over, you know, two feet from me. I mean, we all kind of instinctively did this, right? Because he just went flying up into the crowd. After the cup, the cup kind of came over, maybe not directly over my head, but it was close. For the longest time, I tried to get the cup thrower to talk. There were a few times I thought he was going to talk. He's had some struggles, but. um,
1: Uh, We we had him on. We talked to him.
0: Did you? When did you talk to him?
1: Oh, I mean, after this happened, John Green came on on uh, Drew and Mike, and uh, I- it might have been a-, a year or two afterwards. And he was—we <laughs> still joke about it to this day because he was talking about a charity that him and Ron, our were going to set up together. No, I remember which,
2: that. I remember that. Was there a second when our test was hurtling over you? You thought you're just going to give him a shot in the pills just as he goes over?
0: And
5: it wasn't right over.
0: I mean, it was close, right? And your instinct is because. Be- because the, the, there was a fight that broke out on the court first, right? Right. And so you're kind of, you know, you're just reacting to that. Well, but
2: our him, test was laying on the scorer's table. The What's that? Our test was laying on the scorer's table, remember It was,
0: which was just weird. Um, I don't know, a couple feet from me. Few, I mean, yeah, I'm, and trying, I think, I'm trying to remember.
2: I think the first punch was thrown by a different guy on the Pacers. And, uh, Jermaine on O'Neal, t- wasn't it? Uh, I think so. I think so. But maybe maybe of, not.
0: I can't remember.
2: That kind of derailed uh, the Pacers who were having a decent season. Well, the the, you know, year. the
0: one thing that I remember about all that that was really, really fortunate, and I bet Jermaine O'Neal would tell you the same thing, is he – and he's a big, big man. Jermaine O'Neal was, a, you know, an all-star sort of center power forward at the yeah. time. He's six, 6'10", 6'11", thick, you know, strong, strong guy. He came up and just threw a, almost a roundhouse – type punch and it didn't land and I and I think it was toward a fan. Because oh. people is right? And the yeah. fact that it missed this guy, because that's the kind of punch that could kill somebody. Oh and yeah. The, no I remember like I remember thinking how off it off a car be. battery off a roof. Yeah, I just remember thinking as bad as it was, boy, that could have been a lot worse.
2: Yeah. So anyways I was there. Uh I was at the <laughs> Yuri Fisher game and, oh, and God, so Jim Schaefer sitting in different seats. And we both ran to the concourse to call in uh, notes for that story, so that was uh, that was pretty crazy. Um, App State, I wasn't there. Uh, complete the process, I wasn't there because, of course, it was a lion. So why would I be there? I, I was. There. I was there for Little Giants, which was amazing. It happened right in our corner of the oh, stadium. God. I was there for Rocket, where uh, where Keith Nickel caught that that pass on the back of somebody's head to mm-hmm. beat Wisconsin. And of course, I was there for trouble with the snap—the greatest eleven seconds of my life, Good yeah. other than my honeymoon.
1: Good for you.
0: <laughs> Mark's not happy. Anyway,
1: I, I was there for a lot twice. of those too. Yeah, not not happy yeah. with most of those. The was, honeymoon. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> yeah, the honeymoon. Oh, yeah, that was that was great. He was,
2: hold, he was holding the camera, um, but uh, <laughs> we also had a, a download speed issue that time too. But um it is yeah, funny this not. list I'm, is
0: let's, let's let's move. What are we doing? Okay.
1: Yeah, are you going to talk about your Kilpatrick article or do you want to go argue?
2: Let's 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 chop it up with a great debate. I think uh, there'll be more to say about Kilpatrick
1: in the future. Always is. I won't change my mind on anything, regardless
2: of the facts that are set out before me. I'm dug in, and I'll never change.
6: infinity. infinity plus 1. No.
2: So I'm officially off duty. I'm on furlough, uh, helping the newspaper save some money and uh, spent some time out on the lake, which is one for them, one for me. But I saw on Sunday something that troubled me deeply, and you can get the full coverage at Freep.com. It's making national headlines, too. Now I saw it also reported on the, in the Washington Post, and that is protesters from the Detroit Will Breathe movement and some other uh, social justice endeavors. Uh, riding on the front of a police car on a police SUV. Depending on who you talk to, they were either impeding the vehicle's uh, progress and the driver had little choice other than to move forward or have his vehicle, I guess, invaded because they claim hammers were being used and the back window was smashed out. Or if you take it from the protesters' point of view, this car was trying to stop them from getting to where they were going to go. He surrounded it, and then he took off putting people in danger. Um, I've seen the video, both it's been on social media, I've seen the dash cam video, which we'll try and put on our website, that's mlsouletdetroit.com, so you can have more of a perspective to judge for yourself. But what I'm really concerned about, what I want us to try and dig a little deeper into, is Detroit had its problems with police brutality, going back to Mouse Green and before. I've had my own run with police that I don't think were necessarily justly resolved. But with these protests, we have been blessed not to have vandalism, not to have looting, not to have fires or anything like that. Some cars have been damaged, and, uh, and some protesters say that they've been roughed up. But it feels to me like we're getting to a flashpoint. And my concern here is, um, is one of the concerns that, that it really starts before this, because when you watch the video, you know, these protesters are climbing on this police car, uh, at, there's one of the, 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 dash cam videos show that there's somebody putting a sign on the front of the windshield so the driver can't see. Mm-hmm. That's gotta be terrifying, especially with people pounding on the back window. My concern with these things is what happened at the beginning. Did the police need to be in the middle of that spot? Did they need to move forward? Did they have to put themselves in that proximity to the marchers? And that's where I wonder, You know, do you put yourself in a position for things to get out of hand? And that's where the police would bear some responsibility. Or are you doing your job and people decide to try and turn it into something? My concern here is I should not be able to punch you. That's not right. But you should also not run into my hand and claim that I smacked you. And I'm not sure where that point is here. And and perhaps our debate is not who is right and who's wrong, because that issue may be a little harder to discern with everything that's going on. But but perhaps the debate is, is it time for the police to say, you know what, you want to march? March. We're going to leave you alone. The protesters have not been bothering personal property. The protesters have been, you know, perhaps a little rude in some of their chants, but for the most part, have not been disturbing anybody. Is it time for the police to say, you know what, if you get run over going through an intersection because people aren't paying attention to you, that's a risk you take by walking in the street.
4: But aren't they following orders? I mean, can't they just change the, you know, whatever? I mean, they're following rules by stopping them at certain times, correct?
2: Well, they're they're providing an escort, yeah. and then they're also covering the back end. Basically, that's it's what almost that like a funeral session where the yeah. police will make sure that intersections are shut down so these people can walk through. And I guess, you know, my initial thought was we would debate who was wrong in this. I mean, uh, I, 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 I definitely think debate. that it's a mistake to get on the hood of a police car. If you're concerned about police being brutalizers, why would you expose yourself to brutality? But um, but I want to know about police tactics more on that. Are you know? the
1: police there mainly as a deterrent so stuff doesn't, um, doesn't break out? If they're not there, maybe it does. And if it's not them closing the street, who's to say another car would have ended up in that situation? Um, I'm never a big fan of protesting that stops traffic anyway in general because what frustrates oh, people God. more than traffic i mean people hate traffic um oh I, I just I, I don't know i guess if if you want to let them just march without the the procession without the police escort what happens then that, that's kind of my fear because for the most part like you mentioned the top of it it's been very peaceful
0: i'm uh i'm sort of with mike on that i i don't want to see i hate to see um especially if it's a large enough crowd start mixing with just regular traffic yeah. It just doesn't seem to be good for anybody. But on the other hand, the, the point of the protest is to, is to disrupt at least a little bit to gather, um, not gather, but uh, uh, command attention, and that's important too. So I mean, and I don't mind, uh, and maybe a lot of people disagree with this. I don't mind at all. If the police are out there, kind of helping that, like a funeral, funeral procession. I mean, you know, police are out, and I know they get paid a little bit extra, but they're get they're out uh, managing traffic at a Pistons game, right? Sure. Or uh, or a Lions game, so the least they can do, and and, then, and that's fine. Those are important duties, I guess, in a way, but protests are too. Uh, so I don't know that I completely agree with Mike that they should just be, they shouldn't have at least some help. But uh, but you're right, it's a tricky situation. It's a no, I, I'm it's, not almost, sure.
1: it's almost a no-win situation, though, for
0: kinda, the police. It kind of is. It kind of is. But, you know, to the larger point, these protests have been uh, kind of a beautiful thing in Detroit, you know, right? Yeah. I mean, Detroit, Detroit has been a, a fabulous example.
2: The protesters, what they're saying, oh, you probably don't want little kids to hear the language, but they've been peaceful. They haven't damaged property. In fact, one of the things, and we've mentioned this in our live coverage and when I tweet about it, is there are people who walk along the marsh, uh, There are protesters who are cleaning up at themselves. And uh, there was even one sort of uh, lump protest that happened in front of the Manoogian mansion, and, and Mayor Duggan's comment was, I had no problem with them. In fact, somebody picked up all the litter on the lawn before they left. So these protests have been very peaceful. The police are there, I think, at this point, not protect property. They're there to protect the marchers from traffic. But uh, in fact, they, they did protect them uh, a couple weeks ago when it looked like they were marching towards uh, a biker club that might not have well presence in front of the clubhouse. Maybe it's time to say, we're pulling the plug, we're there to protect you. You've been behaving. As long as you behave, we're going to let it slide. But, you know, the the police were saying the day that there was a guy on a moped who seemed to be driving around blocking police cars. And I saw him, just a little fat bastard uh, wearing a helmet, so I'll give him that, on a scooter. And you know what they say about moped and and some bigger folks. But anyways, that's a different (laughs) story. Um, Blocking a police car. And he's just like, you know, go around me. You know, and then we see protesters jumping on the hood of a police car that's trying to drive away. That just doesn't seem smart to me. To no. me, if no. you want to claim and things
4: like that, then in court, I'm sure you could take any one of those people that were around the cop car and put them in the same situation. What would they do? The problem is we're at a point where nobody's
2: putting themselves in the other guy's shoes. Right? This isn't about let sure. me see the world from your perspective and then yeah. find out what we have in common to form a solution. It's if you no if you. You know, uh, to me, it's, 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 it's time to let these guys march until they prove that they're a problem. Let them march freely and take you, you pay your money or you don't pay your money, you take your chances.
5: Oh man, the geeks have
6: inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek or we're turning into cool guys? I
2: think everybody loves dead presidents. That's, that's why we have sponsors for this show, and that's why we encourage you to donate at mlsouldetroit.com. Just hit the little button there that says donate. But this week's Geek of the Week is you, a you dead for president. your, bad, your Wood- bad
1: internet. What's that? Nothing. Go ahead. Carry on. You're fine.
2: Oh, t- yeah. Use it to find it faster. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's on our list. It's on our list. Um, but uh, yeah, this week's line. Geek of the Week is someone who's been found uh, to be a geek, not first by us, but by Princeton. It's Woodrow Wilson. And when we go through these debates about whether we should tear down statues and how we should treat people who by their times seem to live uh, appropriately or by the standards of the day, that they they hewed to conventional wisdom, Woodrow Wilson is one of those names where you kind of say, yeah, he wasn't the most enlightened guy, but he did sort of lead us through World War One and come up with a pretty good idea yeah. in the League of Nations. So why should we be taking his name off of stuff? It's something I've wrestled with, but then I started doing some research after – After Princeton, where he was president, decided to remove his name from their international affairs program and from a residential college they have there, it turns out that old Woody not just was kind of skeptical of race relations, it turns out that he resegregated government offices. In other words, in the teens, 19, 12, 19, whatever, uh, we actually were making some progress with this stuff. Well, he said, no, 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 we're going to strip it. We're going to tear it down. Uh, in a meeting in the Oval Office with civil rights leader Monroe Trotter, Wilson said, "Segregation is not humiliating, but a benefit, and you ought to be re- and ought to be so regarded by you gentlemen." Now that's just a, an insane and ridiculous position. And as president, not only did he reinstate segregation in the federal workforce, he admired the Ku Klux Klan and believed that Black Americans were not worthy of full citizenship. Well, listen, Woody, you're 60 years behind the times, and that's in 1915, pal. So, well, maybe 50 years behind the time. I'm not so good with math. (laughs) Maybe I'm not worthy of full citizenship. As we debate which people we should uh, keep standing on pedestals and which ones we should tear down, I would say anybody who pushes us backwards when we're making some progress, they not only deserve to lose their statue, they deserve to be our geek of the week
4: the kids are soft i don't care for that guy
5: me neither too yeah. soft
4: i'm gonna pretend like you need to just make my dick go soft
2: before we get to another history lesson i on behalf of my fellow residents here of the beautiful uh, cottage here on burt lake uh, built by poppets 100 years or so ago I should, uh, I should disclose that we've all been very careful about uh, being tested before we came up here. We take our temperatures every day with a touchless thermometer and that people are washing their hands so much that uh, no one will shake hands because it's pretty much bone on bone. So I do want you to know ah. that we are, we are being responsible. I was and really,
1: now, I was really worried bone. about that.
2: Bone on bone. It's, uh, it's uh, sort of like college uh, experience. Sounds like a
4: great vacation. It's fantastic.
2: It's fantastic. We got a big leg.
1: I knew, I knew there was a Windsor choke coming <laughs> it's, after it's Bone fun. on Bone, and he's yeah. just not impressed at all.
0: Do we need to do Soft History? I mean, it's been Matt's show all day.
2: So <laughs> so this uh, hey, Matt, did you come up with a sponsor for, for <laughs> Soft History? <laughs> I yeah. did. If you haven't yet, I'll tell you, those burgers, that was some of the <laughs> softest meat I ever had. It was, it was tender. It was delicate. It was there juicy. <laughs> It's from the it's butchery, okay. by the way. The, I got at the butchery. The floor is yours. Where's that at again? Uh, Sylvan Lake, uh, Orchard Lake Road, I think.
4: Oh, I found the floor. Can I have it? Okay. In uh, 1969, John Lennon and Yoko Ono. John Lennon and Yoko Ono were involved in a car accident in Golsby, Scotland. Both John and Yoko required treatment at the hospital for injuries. And later, Lennon had the car crushed into a cube and placed on his lawn as an exhibit in Tittenhurst Park. The work of art had only one flaw, though. He forgot to put Yoko in it.
2: Damn! She uh, is an artist and once had a boxcar in front of the DIA that was an art installation, but it really just looked like a boxcar with Christmas lights on it. So, so yeah, it, it would have been nice to see her in that cube.
0: Matt, the uh, that setup was Elrician. You know
4: what I mean. <laughs> I, I tried. I hope I that tried. the
0: next few are a little quicker. Let's. I let's, learned. I
4: learned it, from the best.
0: Let's get moving.
4: <laughs> okay. All right. In 1990,
2: butchered by uh, by Matt uh, Jennings. You
4: know that happened to be when uh, my favorite song came out was "Here Comes the Sun." No, it was recorded by three Beatles because John was in the hospital. Okay. In 1995. <laughs> The American space shuttle Atlantis docked with the Russian space station Mir to form the largest man-made docking station to re- orbit the Earth. The second biggest man-made docking oh, station no. was between Mark and Sean. Yeah. Well, I, I thought it was Stormy I, Daniels, but
6: uh, but I got gotcha.
1: you. Uh, do you do you? Uh, I don't know. I, I asked the question if you know what docking means, ML. Do you? Yeah,
6: Mark,
1: oh, I Mark who's
0: uh, who's pitching and who's catching in this docking <laughs> situation?
1: But well, so. I, and they're both in a similar situation. <laughs> it depends if there's I, a force. I'm I don't sure want MLS to go down
5: this.
2: Can you just do the next enveloped.
1: one? Can you just do the next one?
2: Yes. I'm, I'm just trying to keep us on a higher plane.
1: Hardly.
4: <laughs> well, sorry. <laughs> in 97, Mike Tyson bit Evander Holyfield's ear off in the third round of their heavyweight rematch. The attack led to the disqualification from the match and was given a suspension from boxing and a Ziploc bag to return the ear once it went through a system 30 hours later. <laughs> um,
2: hey, was that good? If, if you're looking for delicious Michigan-raised ears, you can get them at um, the Bunchery.
4: Do you want me to finish this off? Please, please. More than in anything finally, ever. And finally, well, the moment we've all been waiting for, in 2009... The King of Pop, a.k.a. Michael Jackson, passed away at the age oh, of wow. 50 after suffering from a cardiac arrest caused by a fatal combination of propofol, diazepam, and 12-year-old scotch. I'm oh, sorry. I mean, 12-year-old Scott. <laughs> oh, I, I saw
2: it coming, and I, I just I, I braced for the impact. <laughs> oh,
4: God. So disgusting.
1: Are you proud of yourself, You're my, you're my wingman. Are you proud of yourself?
4: Uh, no.
2: See <laughs> again. Well we love hearing from our listeners. We love getting your emails. We love getting your voicemails. You can write to us at detroit at gmail.com. You can also uh, call us at 313-288-9070. That's three Butterfield 8 313 Butterfield 89070. And one of our listeners suggested for LGBT Pride Month that we play some erasure. Well, Erasure is not only a fantastic band, but they have some fantastic genes in the new wave gene pool. So we are going to play for you one of my favorite Erasure tunes that I couldn't believe when I looked it up was one of their least successful. Hmm. So here's Erasure with Love to Hate You.
6: That is Erasure, uh, love to hate you, which is why I'm on the phone now because I love to hate technology. I love that it brings us together, but I hate that it also pulls us apart. What a and, disaster! Uh, yeah, but but what a what a what a beautiful combination, uh, sending shivers up and down my spine. Um, I like to read a murder mystery. I like to know the killer isn't me. That would seem pretty obvious, I would think. But these are the kind of lyrics you get with Erasure. It's kind of got a heavy duty disco beat. This this song was heavily influenced by Donna Summer. And while Erasure has been tremendously successful, you should know where Vince Clark got his start. He was a founding member of Depeche Mode and mm-hmm. left after their first album because uh, depending on which story you believe, he, the band, he, everyone in the band thought they were responsible for its success. I guess he's the one who decided to prove how talented he was. Or they just were immature, not getting along too much, or the pressures of too much success too soon. Anyway, Vince Clark leaves Depeche Mode early on, uh, forms Yazoo, which is also known as Yaz, with Allison Moyet, another great new wave band. And then after doing a couple other projects, he puts an ad in Melody Maker, Andy Bell Answers, and you have Erasure, uh, 25 million records later. But uh, an interesting band, not just because of the, the heavy-duty synth and the great dance beats, but Vince... Clark is very low-key. He's the guy you'll see in the videos who's usually in a suit, kind of looks a little bit like a uh, maybe a bald Thomas Dolby messing with analog equipment and everything else. And Andy Bell is the guy in leather pants, sort of exuberant, wearing shirts that include quite a bit of mesh. And uh, that also may be a key as to why we've included this in our LGBT. Pride month uh, dedication Uh, now if you're listening to this on July 1st yes we've missed Pride month but it is technically as we recorded still June 30th so uh, we did want to acknowledge uh, that and uh, and play a request from a listener that was not just a great band but uh, a great tune
1: what a good move by Vince too because he wrote uh, some of the big hits for Depeche Mode before he bolted uh, to Hmm. make Erasure so
6: I think his publishing rights from uh, his, his brief time in Depeche Mode um have served him very well, and of course, uh, Erasure has done extremely well. It's tough to go to a disco and not hear Erasure, but they are sort of in the mainstream, kind of overlooked. But uh, that's Room 7609. We are always looking for your feedback at mlsoulofdetroit.com. We love to get um, your phone calls at 313-288-9070. And I want to reach out to some of the folks who are kind enough to rate the show and to send us some comments. Patrick says, thank you for having both Tristan and the chief on the podcast. Excellent conversation on both episodes. We love it when you rate the show, whether it's a five-star or one-star rating. Here's a five-star rating from M. Person. ML, thank you to Chief Craig for his insightful perspective. We are thankful for his leadership. Great questions from Mark and Sean as well. And Norm, multiple exclamation, exclamation points, writes, another great show. I'm proud of our police chief. I think he's smart, fair, and honest.
0: Amen. So, uh, I would
1: agree. So to we that.
6: appreciate your feedback on both our show with the protesters and with the police. We want to give you balance, we want to give you all sides, and that's what we hope you've come to expect from us. And let us know if we're not delivering. We also appreciate uh, folks who support us with the donation. Mark, how do they give us their hard-earned ML uh, uh,
1: mlsoladetroit.com is the website. Nice little uh, donate button there. Or there's a store button. You can click on there. There's still some shirts, uh, some clocks available.
6: You can buy something, which we take some benefit from, or you can participate in our Cammy soul program where you give us a message and we read it on the air. We need a minimum $20 donation. And that's uh, Frank, the plumber, did a little better than 20 bucks. And here's his camisole message. Audio separated at birth. David Bowie, this is not America, and R. Kelly. Girl, would you like to come back with Rob (laughs) to America? Thank you for the dynamic interview with Detroit Police Chief Craig. We are tremendously blessed to have him at the helm. Furthermore, I may not agree with everything the previous guest, Tristan, stands for, but I can appreciate the different viewpoint. Thank you for being an equal opportunity soapbox. Up the iron. And Christopher sends us $20, and then a second donation for one cent. He says the previous $20 was for the $20 it's not on before 11 a.m., and it started at 10.59, LOL. (laughs) Don't bet against us, man. One of these days we actually will start on time. Thank you for putting up with our technological challenges, most of which are due to my uh, incompetence. And uh, please listen to our other shows. That would be the No BS News Hour with Charlie LeBuff, no Filter Sports with Eli, Denny, and Bob, and the Drew and Mike Show, the Drew and Mike Podcast. And Matt has a special message for us that has nothing to do with fine meats.
4: Matt, take it away. That's right. I just wanted to make a quick plug out for a very dear friend of mine, Matt Riley, who heads up KillerCares.org. Uh, about a week and a half ago, it would have been the second annual Killers of Fifth Avenue Bash in Royal Oak, but of course, that didn't happen. So I just wanted to remind people that if you would like to donate to a good cause, please go to www.killercares.org. And the charities help support Team Joseph, Defeat the Label, and Our Children's Fund. And I will tell you one thing about Matt Riley. He puts his heart and soul into this charity, and he does not keep a cent. Everything goes towards the people who need it. So if you aren't sure where to put your money because you don't know if it's going to some big conglomerate or some, you know, big CEO somewhere, give to KillerCares.org.
6: And I don't want to make this show all about the butchery, but Matt also has <laughs> some of the best soft meat in town. That's right. Maybe we should have stopped a minute ago. Anyways, thank you for listening to M.L. Soul of Detroit. Unless anybody else has some bon mots, it's time for us to turn it over to my friend.
4: Sorry. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it?
0: The Soul of Detroit versus the Legion of Doom. This is the Challenge of the Super Friends.